Hey, my monkeys, what's up? Old Uncle Silverback here with you today. You're listening to the Arm Date Podcast. Today is Sunday, the 28th of August, 2011. No, your little ears do not deceive you, and your little monkey eyes do not betray you. It's not an illusion. You're actually seeing two Arm Date Podcasts, one after the other. So I, le- I released one yesterday. And I also am going to release one today. On a couple of shows ago, uh, we got a review from Brad from uh, from Michigan, and he was talking about rolling your own cigarettes to save money. And uh, I think it was a couple of shows ago that we did that. And then I had a couple of qu- like follow-up questions for him. And we've got his reply to that. And then I've also got... Um, something that's on that similar topic or a similar vein that I wanted to bring up to you guys and just make you guys aware of it. Uh, But before we do that, let's go ahead and uh, get our contact info out of the way. Remember, the the voicemail that I used to have is gone. Um, I was using that K7, and like I said in the show yesterday, the... uh, if you go, I guess, 30 days or something without having a voicemail, they just automatically delete you. And um, I thought, well, I'll, uh, and I tried, you know, I don't want to rehash everything I just said yesterday. But basically, what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to wait a little bit. And if it if it's by the end of probably or the mid end of next month, so by the end of September... If they're still saying that they're not taking new customers, I will go and and start giving out the number to um, the other voicemail that I have set up, which is called Simple Voice Box. The the thing with that is it's kind of more of a pain in the ass to use because you have to dial the number and then you have to dial in the extension, which is like a six-digit code. Uh, So it's a lot more steps. It's not just like you call up a number and boom you get a voicemail um, so if anybody knows of other services besides uh, K7 or that simple voice box let me know uh, and if you think it's a little you know if it's relatively user friendly or if you have some uh, some experience with it and what I'd like to do is basically be able to use one that's free um, and what was what's nice about both of these is that I can actually get a, a wave file of the actual call and that's how I'm able to, you know, to play them on the show and stuff. So, uh, anyway, though, if you did want to send in an MP3 or a WAV file, or if you want to send in just a regular email and have me read it out on the show, uh, you can do that at thearmedape at gmail.com. Again, all one word, thearmedape at gmail.com. So, uh, let's go ahead and let's jump in with uh, Brad's review, or his reply to the to uh, the couple of the questions that I had on the uh, Roll Your Own Cigarette Machine. Hey, Tony. Brad from West Michigan. Hey, wanted to follow up real quick on a couple of comments you made about the Roll Your Own for tobacco machine thing that I review that I left. Um, basically, just on the quality of the tobacco. You're right. There's when you go out a couple things. If you're let's say you smoke Marlboros or Marlboro Lights or Marlboro Reds, when you go by your filters and your tobacco, normally the person behind the counter at tobacco shops, particularly at tobacco shops, they will be able to point you to a specific kind of tobacco and a specific kind of filter that most closely matches the brand of cigarettes that you're used to smoking. So. 
you can kind of line up your purchases to continue smoking something that you believe tastes more more like a Marlboro or a Camel or whatever. Also, the quality of the tobacco, I think you kind of hit it on the head. Cheap tobacco is going to have a lot of um, chemicals uh, added to it for staying fresh and whatnot. The better tobaccos, the ones that, let's say I pay $20 for a 16-ounce bag, let's say you pay $20, I've paid almost $20 for a 3-ounce bag. That's an all-natural tobacco, no chemicals, period. Yes, it was definitely a better quality tobacco. It definitely rolled easier, and it also tastes better. Extremely expensive. I was At that point, you're looking at paying almost you know, $350 a pack, which is still a savings, but not the kind of savings I'm looking at by going down a notch. So you can choose your tobaccos that way as well if you want all natural, you know, so on and so forth. Just a quick follow-up to that. That's it, buddy. We'll talk to you later. Bye. Hey, Brad. Thanks for sending in that follow-up for me on the questions that I had on a couple of shows ago. Um, hope to hear from you soon. I know that you call in a lot of reviews. Hopefully us losing the voicemail won't be too big of a pain in the butt for you. Uh, but like I said, if um, it turns out that at the end of next month, if K7 isn't doing it, I'll put the information out there uh, for those of you guys that like to use the voicemail, and then we can do that. I don't know if the quality is going to be the same. It may be a little worse, but usually in post, I can uh, in post production, I can go ahead and, and uh, take care of that stuff. So, uh, for those of you guys that like to do the uh, the voicemail, hopefully this won't be too big of a pain in the butt for you. Um, so again, thanks for that, Brad. Appreciate it. Now, on that same on that same note, and this is one thing that I had kind of wondered about uh, when Brad had originally sent in his review. Uh, I have, and again, the article that I'm going to talk about and read to you guys, I didn't see anything on this in the mainstream media, nothing at all. Uh, I have a uh, an application on my iPod Touch that is uh, from Reason Magazine, and it gives me kind of their headlines and some of their videos and stuff like that. It gives me links to them. So anyway, this was a an article that they had written about 10 days ago, uh, on August 18th, and it's entitled, Sin Taxers and Big Tobacco Go After Do-It-Yourself Smokers. And so I'll go ahead and read the article here. Much to the irritation of tax-happy bureaucrats, smokers in the U.S. are turning to hand-rolling and cigarellos to avoid paying for new taxes on prepacked cigarettes. According to the Lexington Herald-Ledger, the Department of Justice estimates States have lost $5 billion, so $5 billion, with a B, $5 billion a year because people are using alternatives that have no state retail cigarette tax. Kentucky doubled its cigarette tax in 2009, leading to a 6% decline in cigarette tax revenue in 2007 and a 17.7% decline in cigarette tax revenue for the 2011 fiscal year, which ended in June. Based on the $262 million Kentucky collected from smokers last year, that's an impressive $44 million revenue shortfall. So again, the you know this is I'm going to editorialize here a little bit, but again we see in the wisdom of government in their desperation to get more money, they actually hurt themselves in the long run. 
So they think, well, we'll increase it 6% and we'll, and, and, um, or, or we'll, we'll increase our taxes in 2009 by doubling it and we'll get a 6% decline. And then the next year we'll get a 17.7, almost an 18% decline in revenue. Uh, you know, so again, it just shows the short thinkingness and the, and the short thinking and the short sightedness of these people and how they really don't understand how the economy works. And they don't understand, uh, you know, it, a lot of the state governments and, um, are, are, are very strapped for cash. Uh, can, you know, if we just look at Kentucky, Kentucky is not probably one of the richest states in the union. And that $44 million revenue loss is, is going to impact them. Uh, so if you're in Kentucky, look for taxes to go up on other things. Um, let's see, I'll go on here with the, uh, with the thing. The revenue decline may come from some Kentucky smokers smoking less, but others are making use of smoke shop rolling machines, in which one can dump a fistful or two of almost tax-free loose or pipe tobacco and get nicely rolled smokes on the other side. Now both state governments and tobacco companies like Philip Morris would like to force shops that stock rolling machines to pay manufacturer taxes. Uh, let me jump in here again. If you if you were a, a smoke shop owner and they're going to start making you pay extra stuff on these cigarette rolling machines and they're going to, and, and that's going to decrease your profit margin on them. Uh, and in some cases, I, you know, I don't know how, how thin the profit margin is on something like that, you know, if they make a ton of it, but I'm, I'm sure if they had to pay extra taxes on them, if they want to keep selling those things, they're going to have to raise their prices in order to do that. And some of them may say, you know what, it's just not worth it for me to do that. So I'm just not going to carry those things anymore. Uh, so I'll go on with the thing here. Arkansas became the first state to outlaw the machines in April. So four months ago. Now, did any did any of you guys out, out there hear about that? I doubt it. Uh, and there are several pending lawsuits regarding roll your own cigarettes. Uh, the federal alcohol, uh, excuse me, the federal alcohol and tobacco tax and trade bureau. Did you know we had one of those? I didn't. Uh, which oversees federal taxes on tobacco and alcohol recently ruled that retail establishments with roll-your-own machines must pay the same federal manufacturing tax as cigarette manufacturers. Again, that ruling is being challenged in the courts. So, uh, again, another thing we need to look at is this wasn't passed through through Congress, uh, as far as I can tell from this article. I could be wrong. If any of you guys out there know more details, let me know. But I don't. I think this was just something that that this uh, uh, the uh, Alcohol and Tobacco Tax and Trade Bureau they just said, hey, here's a new rule, here's a new uh, uh, thing that we're going to do, here's here's the new procedure now. So again, they're they're basically we're seeing bureaucrats are ruling by decree, um, going against what people are wanting. Uh, let's see here. Uh, I'll continue. Now it says, if the ruling is, re is, is upheld, retailers would also pay into an escrow account that is part of the national tobacco settlement between the states and cigarette, and cigarette manufacturers. Uh, so again, we're going to see that, uh, again, if that, if that small local smoke shop, not only now are they going to have to pay if this stuff is upheld, 
not not only are they going to have to pay as a manufacturer, but they're also going to have to pay into that escrow account. So again, if you're a smoke shop retailer, why are you going to keep these cigarette things around? Why are you going to keep these rolling machines around? It's going to be too much of a pain in the ass for you. Um, and now this, of course, comes from uh, Ken Garcia, who is a spokesman for Philip Morris USA, one of the nation's largest manufacturers of cigarettes. And he says, those who use roll-your-own machines have an unfair commercial advantage over cigarette manufacturers. Uh, we believe these products should be taxed the same as packaged cigarettes, he said. So again, you have to look at what he's saying. Those who use roll-your-own machines have an unfair commercial advantage over cigarette manufacturers. Well, that's kind of flawed because a guy like Brad is not going out and selling those. So how does he have an unfair commercial advantage over Philip Morris? Uh, it would be the same thing as saying that because I grow uh, tomatoes or strawberries in my backyard that I have an unfair commercial advantage over Safeway or over the, the Piggly Wiggly supermarket. Uh, long term, I don't think, I, I, I'm hoping this isn't going to be upheld. Um, and for those of you, and, and for and a lot of people though, and probably not most of you guys that listen to the show because most of you guys are, are, are going to be smarter than that, but the vast majority of people, especially the people that don't smoke, they're going to see it, well, it's just a sin tax. It doesn't affect me. Um, if they don't want to pay that tax, they can just quit smoking. There's not too much, it's not too much of a leap to then say, well, if you're reloading your own ammunition, if you're uh, growing your own food in your backyard, if you're going down to Home Depot and buying the components and then building something on your own, why shouldn't then Home Depot have to pay this same manufacturing tax that, you know, the cigarette companies? How come, uh, you know, the Home, Home Depot then doesn't give an unfair commercial advantage to me, an individual, over a furniture store if I'm going to make my own uh, kitchen table? Or something like that. So, when when I saw this thing, I just thought, man, it is just—it's really disturbing. But again, it's it's all based on the money. They're losing money, and they're trying to come up the, the states, and um, and eventually, it's going to be the same with the feds. Are going to be desperate for more money. They don't want to cut spending. They don't want to. They don't want to freeze their budgets. They want to always increase. Uh, you know, like we see over and over again. Uh, on the news, they're talking about all these cuts, but you know, and you guys know, the cuts and and uh, that they had done were just were cuts basically in in increases in the budgets over the next you know four to what was it five to ten years something like that. So the cuts that they were doing were actually going to re- uh, lead to something like a seven trillion dollar increase. So, uh, but again, when we see that that much money is being lost. Uh, and when when the states and the uh, municipalities are going to be desperate for money because they don't want to cut welfare and entitlement programs, they're looking anywhere they can get they can get it. And and of course, um, the cigarette companies are behind this because if a guy like Brad is rolling his own, he's not going out and buying his smokes from them anymore. He's just going to the smoke shop. 
So it's good for the smoke shop, but it's going to be ultimately bad for Philip Morris. So anyway, I wanted to get that out to you guys and uh, kind of just make you guys aware of that. All right, enough about the uh, tax stuff. Uh, we do have a review on a uh, Princeton headlamp. And as you guys know, I did a review on the headlamp that I have, which is a Petzl. And uh, I really like that. But we have a review from Mike. So go ahead and take it away, Mike. Hey, Tony. This is Mike of Pennsylvania with a quick review of the Princeton Tech Remix headlamp. A while back, you did a review on a headlamp and you gave me an idea for this. I've had this headlamp for quite a while. It, uh, it's from Princeton Tech. It's from the Remix line. And it has a white and red LED light with four modes. Uh, why did I buy it? I wanted a headlamp that actually had the red lamp in it for night because I use it for uh, fishing and looking at wildlife and things where you actually need that red light. A lot of the new lamps don't have it. And it was something I was looking for. I looked around on eBay. I looked at a lot of the Petzl brand LED lights. And for the money, the Princeton Tech had everything I wanted. And the price was half of what a lot of people are charging for the Petzl lamps. It has a single band that goes around your head. It doesn't have that centerpiece, which is one of the things I wanted about it because I like to take the headlamp when I'm not using it and just put it around my neck like a necklace. So it's not on top. It's not banging into anything. And it's just kind of hanging there and, you know, kind of out of the way. With the two modes on it, you have a long-range white LED. You have a slightly less bright, what I would consider a short-range LED, which is white. And then you have a bright red LED and a lower, very, very low, for reading maps or something up close, red LED that would really preserve your night vision. Something you could use maybe like when you're in your, your tent or when you're, you're sitting around your camp and it's dark and you don't have that background light and you just don't want to put that big white light on that bounces back in your face and blinds you. And it works really well. I've been using it for several months. I'd probably say almost six months. And uh, I use it every night. I use it when I take the dog out at night, living here in the, the mountains of Pennsylvania. We have a lot of black bears, a lot of them. Daily occurrence that you might see one, two, three of them. So I'm using this thing every night. The batteries on it will last several months, and it takes three AA batteries. What I like about it, it really doesn't weigh anything. You want that single that single band? I, I previously had one that had a center strap on it, and with the single band, the, all the weight in this light is basically those three batteries. If you go to lithiums, it makes the battery, the, it makes the whole unit even lighter because you're looking at battery weight. It's waterproof too. They're not saying it's completely waterproof, but I've had it out in pouring rain. I haven't dunked it underwater, but even in the instructions, it says if you dunk it underwater, get the batteries out, let it dry out. Basically, it's going it's to keep on working for you. What I would like to see them change about it, you have two high modes, those white lights, and there really isn't much of a difference between them. You have a very bright and a slightly less bright. 
I would like to see them take that, that second mode, that less bright uh, white light, and really, really bring it down. Bring it down so you can use it up close. Uh, in the dark, if you try using that white light, if you're looking at something that you actually need to see in real color, not the red color changing everything you see, it comes back and blinds you. It's good for pretty good distance. If you were walking, it would be perfect. That's probably the only thing I could think they could change on it. Uh, the If it had maybe one more mode switch, you're all doing this on a single switch. I would love if they had a switch for turning on the white light and a switch for turning on the red light, and you don't have to toggle through all the modes. Other than that, I really like the product. I think for the price, I think I paid maybe 16 or $17 shipped on eBay for it, and that was a while back, so I'm sure the price even came down more. You can get a really option-filled product from Princeton Tech because it just doesn't have the, I guess, market attraction that the Petzl lamps have. Uh, it's black and gray. It's not all completely tactical, but it's not bright pink or any of those neon colors they like to make everything out of. Uh, there's no light that emanates from the unit itself. It doesn't glow up on your, get any floodlight out of there because it's got a black case on it, black and gray. And I think uh, maybe some people would actually like this product. All right. Thanks for that review, Mike. Appreciate it. Hope to hear from you again soon. Uh, a lot of good points that you made. You know, uh, what at the time when I got mine, I think uh, one of the reasons I went with the Petzl was just because it was uh, sort of like you had, had kind of found. It was one of the few that actually had the red LED on there. Uh, and that was one that I liked. Now, there were some other brands that were uh, some more of the Petzls that were higher end and some of the other higher end ones uh, that had the red, but then they were wanting just way too much money for it. And I kind of felt that at, at, I think I paid $40. I can't remember, but I think I paid about 40 bucks for mine. And um, to me, that was sort of at the top of my at my price range. Now, Having said that, once I got that thing, holy cow, uh, you know, if, if somebody's on the fence on getting a headlamp, you know, either get the Petzl or get that Princeton uh, that Mike's recommending, it makes a world of difference. It's so nice to have to, you know, to have both your hands free and know that you're not going to drop anything, things like that. Um, you talked a little bit about the the weight of them and again sort of the same thing with mine they weigh really virtually nothing and once you get them on your head you don't feel them and even if uh, and again mine's the same it doesn't have that center strap uh, and it is kind of sometimes it's nice to be if you just want to kind of pull that thing down uh, and have it around your neck um, with the colors uh, the, the one the thing that I liked about mine it was it's gray and it's orange but it's not like a super, uh, you know, like fluorescent orange or anything like that. But what's nice is if you do lay it down, it's not like a camo band or anything like that. So if you were to lay it down on the ground, at least it's a, a color where you can actually still see it. So, uh, But again, thanks for sending that in. And for you guys that are uh, curious, what I'll do is I'll try and put a uh, link over on the website at thearmedape.com. And you guys can maybe go and check that thing out. All right, uh, let's see. I think that's going to wrap it up for our reviews today. So let's move on. It's time to whip out my pimp cane and beat some knowledge into your heads. So listen up, motherfuckers. 
Now's the time in the show when I like to talk about uh, some recommendations I have for you guys as far as different podcasts or books that I'm reading. Uh, I kind of had done that a little bit yesterday with um, some of the Ron Paul books and Thomas Woods Jr., uh, as far as podcasts, you know, I always, uh, and I haven't mentioned it on the show lately, but I, one of my favorites, if you like B-movies, is uh, the B-movie cast with Vince Rotolo, his wife Mary, and then Nick Brown. Uh, it's just a fantastic uh, uh, podcast about the uh, the older movies, occult and exploitation stuff, and pretty much whatever they want to talk about. Uh, the real good sense of community. Uh, so again, check out B-movie cast. Uh, also, um, let's see, what's some other stuff? Uh, there's a, a podcast called If You Like uh, Horror Movies and, and uh, some of the genre stuff again. Uh, there's a podcast called Horror Etc., uh, which is really good. Um, and I think I had mentioned Lou Rockwell's podcast, uh, the Lou Rockwell podcast, uh, which has a lot of good stuff on there. Um What's some other stuff I've been looking? Oh, let's see. Let's talk about some movies that I've watched recently that were pretty good. I watched one the other day uh, that was called Stakeland, and it's sort of a oh an uh, apocalyptic vampire type movie uh you can get it on netflix it's not streaming but you can get you can get the uh the disc through them and uh i really really enjoyed that movie i really liked it in fact i may uh i may actually go out and buy that movie i liked it so much usually i just i just watch them on netflix and things like that and and uh uh uh, and then just kind of move on. And a lot of times, if I want to, if I really want to watch it again, I'll just move the the thing up to the top of the queue. Uh, I also watched um, Wreck Two, which I may do uh, a review on there. I liked it. Um, I don't. I didn't think it was as good as the first one, uh, but it was still an enjoyable movie, and I and I liked it. Um, what else was there that I was watching the other day? Uh, you know, right now I'm kind of drawing a blank, but I think we're going to go ahead and, and uh, sort of have a, come to an end of the show. So, all right, my monkeys, I will talk to you next time. Take care. This guy's got a monkey scrotum and he's bragging about it. Houdini!